You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, it's time once again for us to gather around the water cooler. What have you been doing recently? Uh, I just want to tell everybody that I have finished the gargantuan task of curating the 2022 Slash Film Holiday Gift Guide. Uh, it was quite an undertaking. Uh, I, I thought I knew what I was getting into uh, but it got even bigger than I thought it was uh, going to be. But it, uh, with the help of the Slash Film staff, uh, some of our great writers, and also uh, Eric Vespi, uh, formerly of Ain't It Cool News, uh, who uh, became rather famous over on the site for doing huge gift guides, uh, also helped out and uh, kind of passed the torch a little bit. He's been tweeting about it because a lot of people always ask him about his gift guides because they were uh, epic. And uh, I kind of tried to emulate what he used to do with gift guides by cre- uh, creating this huge list with a bunch of variety of things from movies to TV shows to books and soundtracks and artwork, collectibles, clothing, housewares, all that good stuff. Uh, a bunch of things tied to movies and TV shows, your favorite franchises and all that stuff. So uh, it is a six part gift guide, uh, six different articles, and each of them uh, is huge, full of a bunch of different uh, categories and things. So please, please check it out. If you uh, have somebody in your life who loves nerdy pop culture things, you will definitely find something for them. 
them somewhere in this gift guide. Yeah, that's definitely true. I I had the pleasure of editing a few of these right before they were published, just to you know make sure there weren't any typos or anything. And this, uh, there were several things where I was like, I've never seen this before. This is really cool. So the curation on this thing is like personal and feels. A lot of times when you're looking, I don't know if you you experience this, Brad, but when I'm looking for some somebody specific and I try to search a bunch of gift guides on the internet, it's like the same things that populate these lists over and over again. It's almost like these people get press releases or something. They're on a list where like these the same products get sent to them as, hey, can you put this on our on our uh, you know on your list if you make one this year or something? And the slash film thing, it's so big that it, it feels personal in a way that a lot of these other ones don't. So um, yeah, great job on that. And I added at least one thing to my uh, my own personal Christmas list from, from this. So yes, certainly if you're listening now uh, and you're looking for you know yourself, your, your friends, your family, whatever, there's a ton of stuff to find there. So um, okay, let's get into what we've been watching, Brad. We both watched uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. What did you think about that? Um, I thought it was pretty good, but not great. Um, it, it does have a little bit of a, uh, a cheapness to it, which like you could easily argue that that is like intentional because it's a holiday special and like James Gunn has a genuine reverence for the star Wars holiday special, which is also notoriously cheap. Uh, but I think this is cheap because Marvel simply doesn't, isn't able to spend the same amount of money on something like this as they are on a, uh, a big screen production, you know, their, their normal movies. So um, I, I think it has some nice heart. It's, you know, it's got charm to it for sure. Watching uh, Palm Clementif and uh, Dave Batista together is pretty fun. But like, there was something about it that just, I didn't really feel like it, it resonated in the way that I hoped. I kind of hoped it would have maybe, maybe a little bit bigger of a heart. I, I still like what James Gunn did with it, but I just I just wasn't over the moon for it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. I think uh, it has like shades of what makes, of what really draws me to the Guardians stuff, which as you mentioned, is that heart, but it's not as full <laughs> as, as it has been in some of the, the full-on movies. I don't know if that's because it's limited in its scope and its time or maybe i think it's because it's limited in its characters most of this is just drax and mantis and kevin bacon as you've probably seen from the trailers if you haven't watched us yet um so without the whole core group there uh and it, it just sort of throws the dynamic of the whole thing yeah out of whack a little bit and there are still good jokes in here and and you know moments that made me smile and stuff but it just doesn't have the same x factor yeah so yeah i, I you know enjoyable just just not in love with it Okay, and then we also both watched the menu. What did you think about that? Uh, I really like this. Um, it's it's a like a, a twisted take on uh, like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for for foodies. Um, <laughs> I have never thought about it that way, but now that you mention it, I I totally get that. Yeah, and I, I think everyone is fantastic, and I, Nicholas Holt is great as this like. Uh, douchebag like uh wannabe chef who like thinks he knows so much about food because he's read all about it uh ray finds it uh walks this great line you know between be, uh being the, the kind of brilliant chef that you always see like in shows like this uh and also kind of you know being a villain really um and of course on taylor joy is, is always fantastic as well really the entire ensemble deserves praise because i think everybody is great in this movie but it's just i just love the the tension uh and the suspense and the 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 story that unfolds as uh, everything is, is slowly revealed. However, I did find myself wanting for a an ending and a climax that felt like it packed a little bit more of a significant punch because the ending is 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 good. Don't get me wrong, but like with all the talk of like 
the tease of like what what it's leading to and everything. Mm-hmm. It just felt it just felt like there should have been a little bit more uh, like finer of a period put on on the this movie. What did you think? Yeah, I uh, once again uh, echo those sentiments exactly. I, I really um, love the performances. I thought the concept of the whole thing was really cool. The execution of it was really cool. The the structure of it, sort of like being broken down into the uh the number of courses and everything and like the the tension just slowly ratcheting up over that um i liked all of the the uh character reveals and everything but yeah like you i I sort of felt like the um the ending it was building to like this big thematic thing that is supposed to happen and it just sort of feels like that never quite happens in the way that the movie uh promises so I, i was a little bummed about that i'm also maybe we can have a a conversation about this in another episode, maybe like in a couple weeks when maybe more people have a chance to check out the menu, because I don't really want to spoil it, you know, too much right now. But I, I was a little confused about the ending of the movie thematically. Like, what is it trying to say about fine dining? Because there's this uh, this thing that happens with two of the main characters, this sort of face off that occurs near the end of the film. And it uh, it introduces like a a new dynamic to things and, and sort of gets you to uh, to wonder a little bit about the, the Ray Fiennes character and like what's going through his head. And, and then um, I guess because of that, it sort of makes you wonder about what the filmmakers are trying to say with these larger metaphors that they're chewing on here. So um, yeah, it's- honestly, I feel like, and again, without spoiling anything, I feel like it shares similar shades with tar. Have you seen tar yet? I have not. I have a, a screener of it. I was lucky enough to have a screener of it. So I'm, I'm planning to watch it either tonight or tomorrow night, I think. So yeah, I, I think there's a comparison to be made between the uh, both Kate Blanchett's character and Ray Fine's character in, in the menu. Um, I think that, I think tar definitely does it, uh, better uh but the but the menu is also like a, a entirely different kind of tone of a movie um so so yeah yeah i think yeah if we ever get to have a deeper conversation about that i think that's that would definitely be worth talking about okay cool so but yeah i think both of us would would definitely recommend watching it because i think there's absolutely a lot, yeah lots of like there so for sure uh speaking of and, oh of, and, and, yeah. and oh man the I, I won't say what it is just just because i feel like it's it's kind of a spoiler but that that last meal mm-hmm. man it looks amazing yes yes it does <laughs> indeed <laughs> yeah all of the food looks incredible in this um yeah really good stuff okay so uh speaking of things that that i liked uh bros i, I finally got around to seeing bros the billy eichner uh rom-com that came out earlier this year um you know kind of a slight movie i think but uh, in some ways but um and like you know uh, very much fitting into a formula that we are familiar with but i think there's enough um, differentiation and enough, uh, you know, it's all about the execu- execution with these things. And I think the execution in this movie was actually pretty good. And I think um, the, the Billy Eichner character has some moments where it's not just, um, you know, his like loud, obnoxious Billy on the street performance. It's actually like him getting to show off a little bit more of his dramatic chops, e- even in a movie that is, uh, you know, has several like laugh out loud, laugh out loud um, moments and everything. So I, I think there's a, a lot to enjoy. In Bros, I think we've probably talked about this before, Brad, but uh, where did you land on this one? 
I actually haven't seen Bros yet. I oh, okay, uh, I, kept, I kept putting off seeing it in theaters, not because I didn't want to see it, just because I didn't I didn't have the the time. Uh, and before I knew it, it was gone. Thankfully, it's coming out on Peacock on December second, so I'm going to watch it as soon as it's out uh, there. So yeah, awesome. I will. I'll have to follow up on that. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's this Friday for those of you who are keeping track and and wanting to check it out yourselves. Um, I also saw Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. I went to the theater and saw that. Uh, it's in theaters for maybe one more day or maybe it's already out of theaters by now but it had a one week run and it's going to be hitting uh netflix on i think december 22nd or 23rd um and we've talked about this before i know that you'd seen it and really enjoyed it i uh, also really enjoyed it i i think it's um it's a movie that gets better as it goes along i was a little wary of it at the very beginning it sort of takes its time introducing all these new characters and in a way that i just sort of like kind of felt like, all right, let's get this thing moving a little bit. But once it really does move and then there's really once it hits the halfway point, it really uh, starts to cook in a, in a way that I found super, super enjoyable. So um, Janelle Monet is is one of the standouts here. I love Edward Norton in this. He's like, it's, it reminded me a little bit of his performance in The Italian Job where he, he's just so good at playing. this. Sort of yeah, I've, I've missed Edward Norton doing doing these kinds of parts. I, I yeah. wish we would get to see him do more stuff like this. Yeah, uh, and there are a lot of really, really fun surprises in this movie. And um, I, I think a lot of people have, have talked about how, you know, it's this uh, the, the metaphors and, and sort of um, pointed commentaries and satires and things are, uh, are, are pretty obvious when you, <laughs> when you look at it. But, um, but I think it, it makes its points really well and is also like a super fun uh, uh, mystery thriller, which is sort of like what I, I've come to expect from my Johnson here. So um, I'm curious, uh, well, I don't know, where would you put this in terms of your enjoyment of this movie or Knives Out, the first one, which one do you like more? I think when I talked about it uh, after I saw it at Chicago International Film Festival that I uh, flat out said that I think that it's better than Knives Out. I just think that it's, uh, you know, it goes in a completely different direction. It's bigger. Uh, it's funnier. The the murder mystery itself has, is more uh, twisty. And I just I just liked it a lot more. Not that I didn't love Knives Out because Knives Out was one of my favorite movies of that year. Uh, mm-hmm. But this just I just I just had I think this one is uh, more entertaining and I think it's, it's faster paced. Um, yeah. I just, I just came away liking this one a lot more. Yeah. The, uh, the scale of it is like so much bigger than yeah. the original. And sometimes that can hurt a movie, a, a sequel in particular. Um, but I really think it, it sort of retains what's good about uh, the original while blowing it up into a, a bigger, um, a bigger canvas. So uh, that's, yeah, that's uh, glass onion. And then uh, the last thing I saw was strange world. Have you had a chance to see this, Brad? Are you one of the, the 10 people in the United <laughs> States who watch this movie in a theater? No, I'm going to try and see it uh, sometime this week. Uh, Cause I, it sounds like maybe it won't stick around very long. So yeah. it do, do well. So yeah, I would like to see it. I've heard good things. Yeah, I, I got AMC A-list. I guess that's what I should have said in the what I've been doing uh, section. I, I got the the AMC A-list because there's an AMC theater that's like six or seven minutes away from my house. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to bite the bite the bullet on this and just like make that my excuse to go see pretty much every movie in, in theaters that I'm even remotely interested in. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of saw this one almost on a lark. I mean, I'd heard good things about it, but the trailers for this looked absolutely abysmal. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I, it was like the original frozen for me. Like that is one of the the key examples that I always go back to as that trailer that I think it was a teaser or something for frozen just looked completely unwatchable. And then I ended up loving the actual movie and strange world. 
I don't love as much as Frozen, but the gap in quality between the marketing and the actual movie itself is uh, is maybe just as wide there. So I really, really enjoyed Strange World. It's it's um, much, much better than the marketing makes it makes it out to be. Uh, there's a lot of really, really cool visuals and imagery and um, sort of homages and allusions to other sci-fi properties and and big you know conceptual ideas and everything. So th- there's a lot of really cool stuff to recommend in Strange World. Um, even aside from the fact that the the lead character is, I think Disney's first out and uh, first queer animated character, like openly instead of just you know one of the these um sort of uh, what was the phrase that they used for Beauty and the Beast? Oh, uh, an exclusively gay moment, I think was the was the terminology being thrown around for like a one second sort of blink and you miss it thing from uh, from the LeFou character in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and Disney has been dinged for for representation uh, of that kind that they can easily just sort of cut out for international releases for several years now. Um, but Strange World really embraces that uh, in, in its lead character and um, does it in a really, really graceful, uh, really amazing way that just like doesn't even make a thing out of it. And it's like, Finally, this is what movies should be now. This is this is where we should be in this in this conversation. So, um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed Strange World, and hopefully, you get a chance to check it out soon, Brad. Yeah, I would love to. What have you been watching? I watched Christmas with the Campbells, which is a movie that maybe you haven't heard of yet, but you definitely should. Um, so, it is. Uh, there's a trailer out there. You should go watch it if you haven't um, heard about this already. But it is a what looks like a prototypical Hallmark holiday romantic comedy, except it has like more legit actors in it. Uh, Brittany Snow from Pitch Perfect is in it. Justin Long is in it. Alex Moffat from Saturday Night Live. And what's what basically what this movie is, uh, is Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley, who are longtime friends and they're producing partners. Uh, Peter Billingsley is Ralphie from A Christmas Story, in case you don't know. Uh, they had they commissioned a script for your average Hallmark holiday romance movie. But then what they wanted to do was inject R-rated comedy into it. So it has the bones and the DNA of a Hallmark holiday romance. Uh, But then they just injected a lot of uh, vulgar, raunchy humor into it. Um, And it's just shockingly funny. I wrote a full review on it if you want to read about it uh, on the site. Um, But it is, I was like so shocked by how much I was laughing uh, at this movie because of how funny the lines that come from every every single character in it are. Uh, It's if if they make one Hallmark movie like this, and it's not even an official Hallmark movie, but it's 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 uh, directed by Claire uh, Niederprum. uh, It's written by uh, Barbara uh, Kimlicka, and they are both veterans of Hallmark movies. So like they really just got a crew together to make a Hallmark movie, but they added this adult humor into it and, and it elevates it to a level that I truly love. Like I don't mind the cheese that's still there at the center uh, of the romance between Brittany Snow and Justin Long. And Justin Long is so funny in this movie because every, everyone like they're not, it's not a parody of Hallmark Holiday movies. Like they came together. It, it plays it straight. And Justin Long has this like, uh, homegrown, like blue collar, outdoorsy kind of feel, where he puts on a slight uh, country accent, talks with these like uh, colloquialisms, like "Well, whatever peels your potato," uh, and and he's just really, really funny. And um, so, yeah, if you uh, if you haven't heard of this movie, please, uh, I, I can't recommend enough to to check it out. It's going to be in select theaters on December second, and it will also simultaneously be available on AMC Plus, which is a lesser 
celebrated and probably subscribed to streaming service. But uh, I would say it's worth maybe paying for a month or getting a free trial for it just to watch Christmas with the Campbells because it's, it's a lot of fun. Wow. Do, do you remember when um, I think it was Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig did something similar with uh, with Lifetime movies? Like- yeah, they did. They made like a full on uh, Lifetime movie that they, they started that I feel like I never watched it. But when I saw the trailer, that one felt like it leaned a little bit more closer to parody even though they wanted to they still made like a genuine lifetime movie mm-hmm. but it felt like it was it, it had like this like meta level to it where they were kind of making fun of it in a way and this one uh it has like a genuine heart to it they're not they're not making fun of it, it just happens to have these these great uh adult you know one-liners and stuff in it okay so that is called christmas with the campbells uh what else we've we been watching Brad? i also uh, saw the fablemans in theaters another movie that is unfortunately just not doing well at the box office because people just aren't venturing out to see these kinds of movies anymore and uh, it's really heartbreaking this is the movie from steven spielberg that is basically uh a, an autobiographical film it's about his childhood uh his family how he came to uh, love filmmaking and the struggles that his family uh, endured when he when he was younger and it's uh it's, it's it's such an interesting movie because like you would expect something like this to be very nostalgic and at times it is but it's also very reflective and just the way he looks back on uh his life and like you know what filmmaking came to mean to him and like the family drama that surrounded the the, the love that he had for it and uh you really get a sense of like the the themes and the like the the family drama that uh, has been prevalent in all of his movies uh, over the years. I feel like the one that I think it um, really hit close to for me was uh, it puts Catch Me If You Can in in a um, a much more significant light mm. uh, because I feel like the relationship that uh, Frank has with his uh, his parents and like the idea of like wanting to get back to this, you know uh, what he saw as like a perfect family and things like that. Like there's uh, there's flares of that, like in, in the Fablemans when you see like what happens to his, uh, his parents and that, and that kind of thing. It's uh it's, it's, yeah, it's just a very interesting movie. And it's um it's, I appreciate that he does all of this too, without getting uh, schmaltzy. If, if anything, he is um, really picking at the things that have probably, uh, you know, been in his mind and his his heart after all these years and like working through some stuff uh and i i absolutely loved it it's easily one of my favorite movies of the year very excited to check this out haven't had a chance to see it yet uh maybe i'll rewatch catch me if you can before seeing this because uh it's it's kind of a christmas movie anyway so um it's true that sounds like a a good plan okay what else have you been watching uh i also watched fat man because uh on my podcast go flick yourself i was assigned this movie and uh and i wasn't necessarily super keen on watching even though the concept intrigued me because uh mel gibson stars in it and we all know mel gibson kind of sucks these days um, but the, the, the movie is, is a, it's a Christmas movie. It is like a, uh, an, a gritty action take on, on Santa Claus, essentially where Walton Goggins, uh, plays this, uh, assassin who has a grudge against Santa Claus because he apparently didn't, uh, ever really get what he wanted. And Mel Gibson plays, uh, Santa Claus. And there's the, uh, the, it, there's a big lead up to like what will eventually be their confrontation, but like it creates this whole world where like it's a very realistic setup for like how Santa operates. Like he's uh, commissioned by the government to like do do things for them so that they are able to like, you know, sell, you know, technology and gadgets and toys and like, you know, just all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but like 
there's uh there's this plot where there's a a kid who's uh just a rich spoiled uh, asshole and, and whenever something goes wrong he calls on Walton Goggins to like help him deal with it in a in a very hitman way whether it you know like threatening uh, a student from a science fair to like give up the first prize so that he can have it uh and it, and he's the one who after getting a lump of coal on Christmas tells Walton Goggins that he wants him to kill Santa Claus and so that like leads up to everything and I, my I, I like the idea of this movie and it wasn't bad, but like, I felt like it would have been a lot better if it was more stylized than making it as grounded as it is. And I feel like that's probably what violent night is going to do in, mm-hmm. in a way. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I, I just kept wishing that uh, anybody but Mel Gibson was in the movie. because then yeah. I feel, I feel like I would have uh, enjoyed it a lot more because it does some pretty, uh, interesting things with uh, the concept of you know Christmas and like uh, how Santa operates, and I just uh, yeah, I would have I would have liked to enjoy it more, but it's it's tough to get into the movie because of that. Yeah, I, I feel like I have not seen this movie, but from the way that you're describing it, it almost sounds like it would have been a movie that that would have been would have benefited from having a lead who is a little bit more tongue in cheek than what Mel Gibson has been in the past. 15 years or whatever um it just seems like he's he's sort of like the the grizzled angry guy in every movie and like i don't know maybe that's why i'm looking forward to violent night as well because david harbour's character his version of santa also looks like a little grizzled and a little angry but but there's also you know more to it than that than yeah at least what it seems like in the trailer so uh, i'm sure we'll be talking about violent night pretty soon because i think that comes out in theaters on friday as well um what else have you been watching red uh, I've been over the past like I don't know month or so. I've been watching the first season of Abbott Elementary little by little, and I don't remember if I talked about this uh, show at all when I first started watching it. Uh, but but man, this show is so funny. Uh, it's been a long time since I've really uh, enjoyed a network comedy like this, just because there there haven't been that many good ones on you know ABC or CBS or NBC. Uh, but this is this one is is fantastic. Uh, it's been created by Quinta Brunson. She won an Emmy uh, for it recently and made history. And uh, it's this great comedy series about a Philadelphia public school. And uh, it's you know it's set up like a mockumentary style, like like The Office. They're they're not quite as uh, I don't think stringent with like the documentary style. It doesn't seem like they follow the same like rules they did in the early seasons of The Office. Um, but it's the, the ensemble cast is, is stellar. It is, it's laugh out loud, funny, um, frequently all throughout. And it, it does come from, uh, Randall Einhorn, who was one of the executive producers, uh, and directors over, over at the office as well. So like, um, he brings a lot of the experience on that show to this one. And, uh, it's just great. And like, what's cool about it too, is, uh, aside from just being funny, like it, it does deal with a lot of the genuine, you know, issues that public schools have, especially in cities like Philadelphia. Uh, mm-hmm. but it, but it does it in a way where like the comedy feels real and it's just, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't, uh, recommend it more. Yeah. I was talking with bros, like the idea of, um, almost sort of like plug and play formula that you come to expect. And like the formula of Abbott elementary is, is so um, well trod at this point. But again, the execution is so great. Like the, all of the, the um, cast members are so fantastic. And like the writing is actually genuinely funny instead of like a, um, you know, play every single line for the cheap seats. Like a lot of network stuff tends to be. Yeah. Um, And it's a show that, that sort of like takes some chances as a network show um, it doesn't really compare to, you know, some of the stuff that's on cable or, or whatever streaming or something. But, um, but I think, yeah, for, for a network series in particular, it's, it's really, really strong. I, I'm 
almost actually I, th- I think i'm fully caught up on season two and i think we're i don't know several episodes into the second season and like season two starts off strong and then kind of falters a little bit i'm hoping that's just because they have such a high uh, episode count in these seasons it's um th- that i'm i'm hoping that uh that they're able to sort of regain and, and pull out of the the nosedive a little bit before uh, season two, two comes to an end because i really really loved season one so um okay what have you been eating brad uh, so I want to talk about something that I was recently uh, educated on by accident because it was very annoying to me. And maybe it's something that has been annoying to you without you knowing about it. Or maybe this will prevent you from falling into a trap. Uh, but uh, I was at a friend's house recently and we decided to order DoorDash. And we ordered from a place called uh, Super Mega Dia, which is this place that had uh, some varieties of quesadillas. And so we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Let's try that out. Uh, And then we get our food, and for some reason, the food is in containers that came from IHOP, the International House of Pancakes, to (laughs) to you and me, Ben. Uh, And we were like, that's weird. Maybe they just got their containers from IHOP or something like that. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, wait. I was like, I've heard about something like this before, where there are certain places on DoorDash that are labeled as other restaurants, but the food actually comes from places uh, like Applebee's or, you know, or, or IHOP. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I looked up at uh, Super Mega Dia and there was something on Reddit about, hey, don't order from here because if you get food from here, you're just getting food from IHOP. And that explains why it was so mediocre as well. <laughs> yep. uh, so yeah, because obviously IHOP is not specializing in quesadillas. It's not in their name. Uh, so yeah, it was a very disappointing meal. And now I will definitely be on the lookout for, uh, if you see a place, uh, the name of a restaurant that is like somewhere near you and you've never heard of it before and you're wondering where it's at, look up the address and the address will probably match something like an Applebee's or a Buffalo Wild or something like that. And you're not getting any new food. You're just getting food under a different name that comes from the restaurant. You've probably already tried. Well, I'm glad you thought to bring us up on the podcast, Brad. I, I should have done the same thing a couple weeks ago and I would have warned you uh, about this very thing because the same exact thing happened to me where my wife and I tried to get... Um, Asian food from a place that we'd never heard of. And it was, I think it was like dumplings or something. And we're like, oh, that sounds delicious. What's going on? This must be a new place. And then it came out of a Ruby Tuesdays kitchen. And uh, yeah, it was just like completely mediocre and like not, not at all what we expected. So uh, sorry, I didn't, you know, uh, take the, <laughs> take the shot for you on that one. Uh, hopefully now you will be able to spread the the word to uh, all of our listeners out there. And these people yeah. will be sucked into the uh, the ghost kitchen nonsense. Also, I will say I'm a little jealous that you have a Ruby Tuesdays near you because they have an incredible salad bar. Oh, wow. I, I, I actually haven't even eaten at it since we moved back to Florida. It was just that was the first time that uh, that we'd even interacted with in, in several years. And we didn't even eat anything directly from them. It's just like through this, this like, I, I guess they're like third party companies that that like rent space in the kitchens of of these places so it's not officially ruby tuesday's food yeah exactly might as well be i don't know yeah it's um yeah but yeah ruby tuesdays we had one uh in uh lafayette when i was going to school at purdue and occasionally me and some friends would go there just because we loved the salad bar (laughs) yeah uh man okay (laughs) what a time Uh, i know right I guess I guess I should say it's Ruby Tuesday. Oh um, yeah, well, but it belong but it belongs to Ruby Tuesday. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to head off all the angry emails at the past for all the people who are uh, going <laughs> to write in about that. Okay. Um, Excuse what, me. <laughs> what else have you been eating, Brett? Uh, so there are these new uh, Milano cookies for the holiday season: hazelnut hot cocoa. 
Previously, they had Amaretto Hot Cocoa, and those are back for the season as well. But this is a, a new flavor. And it's just the Milano cookies that have um, a hazelnut uh, hot cocoa like um, cream filling inside of them. And I love the Milano cookies and all the various flavors they have. So uh, these are fantastic. The hazelnut is a nice uh, variety with the chocolate flavor. So, uh, yeah, if you like your Milano cookies, then uh, get these for the holiday season. Um, also, uh, Ben, did you ever have Crunch Taters potato chips when you were younger? No, I didn't. Uh, so they are a, a brand that was around in like the 80s and 90s. Um, and you can still see them in certain movies. The one that I remember specifically seeing them in all the time, because I've seen the movie so much as a kid and every holiday season, is Home Alone. Hmm. Uh, you can see a bag of Crunch Taters potato chips sitting next to Kevin when he's watching that mafia movie uh, and eating a bunch of uh, junk food. Hmm. Uh, and they are back. I found out uh, you can get them exclusively at Dollar General. And what makes them uh, crunch taters is that they're extra crunchy potato chips. They're they're not quite as uh, like crunchy like a, a kettle cooked potato chip, but uh, they're somewhere in between. They're not they're not as uh, flimsily crunchy as like your average Lay's potato chip. Uh, these are still Lay's potato chips. They own the brand, but they are they definitely have a greater crunch to them. And so uh, they have original flavor and Mighty Mesquite, which is obviously a barbecue flavor. So, uh, yeah, you can get them at Dollar General. Uh, it was cool to have these again because they haven't been around since the early 90s. Uh, so it's, I, I always like when snack companies like bring back uh, throwback snacks like this because uh, it's just fun. Yeah, love a good crunch. Okay, what else have you been eating? Uh, and then this is something that I think I've talked about before, but I'm going to mention again because I'm happy that it's back uh, because, you know, every now and then you can just use a little bit of holiday spirit, literally and figuratively. Uh, <laughs> and in this case, uh, Rebel Hard Coffee has a Winter Wonderland variety pack uh, that has peppermint mocha, eggnog latte, uh, marshmallow mocha, and uh, cin- cinnamon cinnamon sugar cookie mocha, I think is the other one. Um, and they are an alcoholic canned iced coffee that is delicious. It doesn't even taste like uh, there's alcohol in it, which is dangerous because you could have several and you're like, nope, all good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're they're fantastic. They were previously a little bit harder to find because I, I remember last year I had to go to Illinois to track it down because I guess the liquor licensing is weird like state to state. And sometimes certain states will get new alcoholic beverages before other states because like I guess it takes longer for licensing for something. I, I don't know. I don't fully get it. I read about it one time when I was having trouble finding it in Indiana, but now uh, I was able to find it at a Myers uh, here in Indiana, which is like a Midwestern Walmart chain of, uh, you know, super retail grocery stores. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't uh, seen this or heard of this, I recommend trying it if you liked iced coffee and you like a little bit of alcohol around the stressful holiday season. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. You can find more about a lot of the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please subscribe to our newsletter Uh, there's a link in the show notes for that you can send your feedback questions comments concerns and uh uh, mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air don't forget to rate and review the show on apple podcasts tell your friends spread the word thanks for listening and we will talk to you tomorrow This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of works, cordless power tools, and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save 